0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Research at the National Archives and Beyond blog talk radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to thank the callers and chatters and welcome you to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest, and I see a lot of guests in the chat room, and you wish to participate in the chat, you can sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I will also open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. Now, following the show, you can continue this discussion on AfroGenius and research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook page. In fact, please like both pages and join both groups. Well, how many African-American heritage books have you found in your local libraries? Or for that matter, How many books have been published by the historical societies in your community? Well, tonight's discussion will focus on an African American heritage book developed by the Afro American Genealogical and historical society of chicago and i would like to welcome all of the members of the african american genealogical and historical society of chicago to the show well my guest tonight is janice minor forte she is a genealogist writer and lecturer who has received awards and citations for her research achievements. She is a member of several societies and the chair of the Afro-American Genealogical and Historical Society of Chicago. She is also a member of the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute, Maggie, planning committee, and I hope that those of you who are listening tonight will go on the Maggie website and sign up for the Institute for this summer. Well, in 2009 to 2011, Janice chaired the publication committee of the Chicago-based Afro-American Genealogical and Historical Society's book, 30th Anniversary Our Heritage Family Stories. Now, she is going to tell us everything that we need to know and understand about this book and how to get a book that, like this published. So let me give a warm welcome to Janice Minor-Forte to research at the National Archives and Beyond. Welcome, Janice.
0: Good evening, Bernice. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, and I hope that you're warm in cold Chicago.
0: I'm inside, but it is freezing, freezing, freezing cold outside. And, Vanessa, I want to thank you for having me. And I want to say hi to the people in chat and to my uh, wonderful Afro-American Genealogical and, and Historical Society members here in Chicago and across the country.
1: Well, I'm, I'm certain that everyone is looking forward to hearing you share with us information about the heritage book. So let's get started. Now, what was the origin of the book, and what is the concept behind
0: its development? Okay, all right. Well, this book was born out of two things. The first one was a theme of frustration, total and absolute frustration, because, you know, as a genealogist, a long-term researcher yourself, you know how many times you've walked into a archives or a library and you to on the shelf and seen the rows of heritage books that contain the stories of families and their lineage and their culture and their heritage. But never are there ever any stories or books that have our people in them. You know how many times you have said that you read these books and Saying, well, I'm like people. Why aren't they in these books? You've looked in South Carolina or a multitude of heritage books. I've looked in Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. And after years and years and years of constantly reaching out and finding our people are not in these books, something had to be done. The, the second origin of this was basically the same origin. I, I come from a Yadamar yeah, the family. There were 12 children in the house of my mom and my dad. And whenever we were talking about something, something wasn't right, daddy would say to us, well, what you going to do about it? How are you going to fix it? He wouldn't allow us to whine and commiserate about something that wasn't right. He would insist and put it right back in our court and say, what
1: you are you going to do about it? Right. Janice, I'm going to have Janice, I'm going to have to stop you and put you on on uh, some music on right now so that we can uh, talk about the phone. Uh, let me just put okay. you on some music, everyone. Hold on and I'll I'll get right back to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on hold one more time so that we can continue to work on the cell phone situation. So, Janice Can you hear me? Okay, what uh it seems like your your voice is coming through a little muffled, and so oh, what okay. I need you to do is to just try to speak into your phone and uh, it wasn't coming across as clear as we would like it to so let's uh let's just kind of start off uh, again, and I'm sorry, everyone, but right now there's some just some technical issues. With a cell phone and, and unfortunately the landline is not working um, well uh, in Chicago so Janice uh, you were you were telling us uh, about the frustration of going to various libraries and not finding any historical or heritage books on African Americans in the various communities so let's um, let's just continue this discussion about the the background and the concept uh, that your group uh, decided to, to move
0: into. Okay. All right. Well, let, let me know. Is this better? Yes, can you, continue. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So the, the, second, the second origin of the book was I chair the Alabama Studies Group of the AAGHST here in Chicago. And for a couple of years, we worked on a project that I called Tinkit Chapter. And the core of that project was that each member of the group would have to come to the meeting with one paragraph about an ancestor, not a whole volume of information, not the whole family. They were to choose one ancestor and write one paragraph. And then from that paragraph, they made 12, 15 copies and we came to the meeting, read the paragraph, and then members of the Alabama study group gave them suggestions and ideas as to how to increase and expand um, that paragraph. And the next month they would bring it in again because what I had observed over the years was that our well, uh, members did excellent research. They knew their research very well. They knew their ancestors very well. They could tell the people the stories, but they lack the confidence to put it on people. Or they would come out and say, Well, I'm gonna write your thing to write a whole family history. And I'm just like it. say to them, write a family history one chapter at a time. So it was their yeah. way to identify the but they wanted to write well, out. Th- and go ahead.
1: Okay, and Janice, uh, so they had one paragraph. Now, how many people, how many, how many individuals um, at that time were interested in putting together this one paragraph?
0: Well, I would have in, in those meetings of Saturday morning, at that time I would have between 12 and 15 individuals. Because this okay. was a study group. And they would go here write the story, but as, the, as the, the next month when someone else read their story and they were encouraged when they read their paragraphs and other people were encouraged they would go, oh I can do that I know that, mm-hmm. I can put that on but we also gave them the networking support that they needed to expand the, the process so it began to grow and grow and once the group decided that 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 paragraph had expanded into a chapter about the ancestors, we also supplied them with a list of possible places to submit for publication. Okay. Uh And one of the best places they could submit for publication was for our very own organizational newsletter, our society newsletter. So we... With, them, with the criteria for publication, we were confident because we had read these stories. We had put pictures in. We knew how good they were. And with yes. that comes the test. Members would submit to our newsletter, in any society that's operating the newsletter is for material from their own members. So that was the, the second um, origin and concept, and it really worked. But it came to time time a couple of years into that, process of building kinship chapters that I had to come up with something else to do with the kinship chapters. So at that point I just had a loosely finding of successfully completed kinship chapters. Woke up in the middle of the night, you know, as researchers we often get some of our best ideas or maybe I should say craziest ideas in the middle of the night. Woke up in the middle of the night and said, Hmm, frustration no heritage books on black folks in this library. Here's what I'm going to do I'm going to ask our board of directors. So I went to our president at the time, with, with Angela McGee, and I went to her and I said, You know, we got this problem. Well, anybody who knows Angela McGee, she's one of those that's going to throw it right back in your lap. And she said, Okay, yeah, we got the problem. She was familiar with the kinship chapter process. She had written articles too. And she was all forward. From that point on, I had to take it to our board of directors. Went to the board, presented the project to them. By now, several stories had been written in the newsletter. Presented the project to them, asked them for $200 in seed money. And our board of directors is very, very supportive. And they said, Yeah, we're going to do this. And they immediately gave me the Two hundred dollars in feed money was to be for copying, and, and we probably did some posts at the time, and, you know, just incidental, I dare say, I don't think we used $100 of that immediate money. So the, the, the other concept behind um, the heritage book is that we wanted a book that would be of high quality, a high quality African-American heritage book a book that could stand proudly on library and archive shelves for generations to come. We wanted a book that was going to be hardcover. We wanted a book that was going to be thoroughly indexed, because everybody knows no genealogist will read a book unless it's indexed. So we wanted our book to be both full so name index and a geography-based index. So with that in mind, I pulled together a small group of people about it was just six of us. I'm a firm believer that it takes party parties, show up, folks, you can get anything done. We pulled together six people. We set up our date and time. So we were the administrative structure. We started meeting on, on second Saturday morning. And some, we would go over administrative issues, what's it going to look like, how we're going to get um, articles submitted, how we're going to recruit, every little nuance that we could think of. We just it in those meetings. We got organized. We then went back to the board. We, we completed a permittal uh, format. We presented all of that to the board. We had yes. it set up on our work, website, and we were off and running. We were just off and running. At the next uh, general meeting of our membership, we presented it to them the entire content, challenged them to say, I know you've got those articles in your mind and under the bed, and I know you've got those, those uh, historical uh, pictures because we had decided in our administrative group, we had decided that not only did we want articles, but we wanted to reproduce copies of those wonderful historical photos that all of us had. We wanted to uh, have included in our book. We wanted present charts. We wanted same YouTube. And because our society operates off of the um, study group concept where every state has a separate study group, we also wanted a surname directory. All of those components we wanted to have in our book. But primarily, we wanted to put together a book that would, that would, would just be just outstanding. And I dare say that the committee that I put together, they were wonderful. They worked as hard as hard as as I did on the book. We also designed what we call a writer support group where as the people would come in with their articles, pair them up with one of our more experienced writers and members of our group and move them over into their own little private sector corner. And those two people partner together, work together to pick apart and reorganize and restructure and do anything everything that was needed to do um, to, to that article. And I would be remiss if I did not mention um, some of those folks who were on that committee out of the Chicago group. Of course, I had to, you know, mention the president at the time, Angela McGee. I also had a, and I and I chuckled and laughed because we turned into a real Cohesion group every second Saturday. They were there. Dr. Sheila Smith, she was there challenging, always challenging us. This is what we wanted. This is good. Exactly. We had Ingrid Bell, um, and she took over and became the sub person of our uh, uh, pedigree charts and family group sheet section. We had uh, Evelyn Neighbors, who's known up here in Chicago for putting together uh, books and sending them to the uh, the Fort Wayne Library. We had a uh, one of the twins, Lady Nancy. We had Sylvia Rogers, Doris uh, Morton, Agita Bowen took over our publicity and publicity section. We had uh, to mention uh, Saunders Shelley. Not only do we have those members of our group, we also called in family members. My sister Karen Minor Colin Nunez came into the group and helped us with editing. Uh, Lisa White Fox, who was Sondra Shelley's uh, sister, she joined the group. Uh, we had folks on the phone. We just also uh, developed a specialty team because we were asking people for those historical photos. So we had several members, and I think who are some, you know, photo specialists they do the Photoshop, they make photos that look like oil paintings. Really and I really experienced that. And then I called my specialty teammates, uh, Thomas Tracy and Ernest Rose and George Davis. And as I collected the photos, I told them, I'm not going to touch them, I can't collect them with photos, I'm just going to collect them and send them to them. And as I sent them to them, I warned them that some of those photos had those cracks and pieces and some of them were wrinkled. I did not want that removed. That's thought that was part of the history and heritage of the photo. But if if you if, 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 if a picture did need to be repaired, then it was their job and then they would have sent them back to me. And they did an absolutely fabulous job. Also I said, to mention ten Clint our wet master and our webpage uh, of our applications up to date. I had a wonderful committee, and absolutely great. Well, as it as sounds
1: work. like you had a wonderful committee, but I need to wrap everything that you just said again, so that we could just make sure we've heard all of this wonderful information. So first of all, you went to a board of directors and you requested two hundred dollars in seed money to just to get this project off the ground and and to. That money was used for copying. And then it sounds like you said you had a small steering committee. And of that steering committee, they had certain specialties and that they would then pretty much serve in the leadership role to help people put their pedigree charts together help them uh write the writer support group uh, a publication group i mean it just sounds like you really had a very organized strategy plan to get this book off the ground. It sounds like this was something that was not going to fall by the wayside. You, you just had a mission and you, you would sound like you were determined that you were going to go in that direction and have this heritage book uh, published. Now I have a question for you, however. First of all, how long did it take to get this book published and how many people were eventually involved in the development of this heritage book.
0: Well, in the actual development of the book, I would say six to eight people on a Yeah, six to eight. eight okay. Six uh-huh. people. That's my quote-unquote administrative committee. They're the ones that sat every second, every second Saturday, and we went over various issues when it was time to put in the special team. They weren't with us in the very beginning. Just the photo special team just came in at the end because, so you know, they're, they're those ostrich-type people, and they're very sensitive. So they can't process like, like, like we process, okay? So they came in at the, at the very end. But what, the beauty of the project is that uh, people's roles evolve. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their roles get solved, and where if they were part of the administrative team. Then we found out we needed someone to handle all the pedigree charts that were coming. In. And and by the way, Dennis, we did not teach people to do the pedigree charts. They did. These are researchers, so they had their own pedigree charts. We just collected them and made sure that the correct uh, identifying information was on, on the pedigree chart or the family group sheet. Okay. So okay. The, uh huh. Eight administrative team uh, people served individually a different function. When it came time to edit, they turned into the editing group. On the fourth Saturday, when it was time to be supportive of a virtual writer, they turned into a partnership with with, with someone, and they okay. were there to go, go over there to go over their article with them and to show them how to improve and change on it. So it's not like, you know, here in Chicago, we're lucky enough to have hoards of people. But the word of mouth, because I pitched this, and remember, pitched the Heritage Project in their very study group, and I pitched it in our general meetings in every place else that I went. We pitched, hey, I've heard your story. A million times. I've heard you talk about your great-grandmother. I know you've got her, an artifact of hers. I know that this the research that you've done on her. Now, come to this meeting, and we're going to show you how to put that on paper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. people tell you know, they respect to put papers, of so course. It's amazing when when our people see something on paper, and they see their name and that picture and that story, on paper, and I have to tell you, um, I'm known here for favoring old black men. Uh-huh, okay. and uh, <clears throat> so I have, in, in the Alabama study group, I have a 86-year-old man. He's a, a professional doctor, but he doesn't write. Mm-hmm. He doesn't write. He would write out, handwrite out on a legal piece of paper in his little bitty teeny tiny, tiny um, writing. And I would retype his articles, And then, oh, wow. Um, and go them back to him. He would read it over and write some more in between the lines, because I would demonstrate it and write some more in between the lines and give it back to him in another week. Okay? And now, there's a question here. coming
1: out of the chat. How many people actually submitted articles?
0: Well, our members were allowed to submit as many articles as they want. And believe me, once they they got their first article in, they were just bubbling over. I did not stop. I did not stop anybody from submitting articles. We had a word limit on our articles. If you were a member of our society, you could uh, submit an article of 500 words, free, and one photo or document And that article, free. Anything over 500 words, you pay 50 cents a word. Any additional photos, you pay $15 for each additional photo. So rather than uh, pay more, they would write another article, and it worked out wonderfully well and they put the second picture in the other article.
1: Oh, so if had, they could have more than one article in the Heritage Book. Oh,
0: absolutely. They could, okay. Once they got that support network and felt comfortable, and they knew they had that buddy. They didn't, they didn't have to wait for me in that Fourth Saturday uh, writer support group. They could call their buddy partner and say, you know, I think I've got this other article. Can I email it to you and you critique it and then send it back to me? And that worked wonderfully well also. Our initial wow. timeline. Yeah, I, I, I pitched the article to our board. I believe it was in February of 2009. And they said, go for it. Then I believe it was March that I presented it to our, our general meeting. And they said, go for it. I, <laughs> I told... Uh, the president, Angela, maybe at the time, when I get 100 articles, I'm going to publication. So, at the so
1: the goal was to have 100 articles. Is that what you're saying?
0: In the beginning, the goal was 100 articles. I that The goal I was 100 articles. Okay. If I got 100 articles, I was going to publication because we would have to combine with that. We would have the family group sheet and the pedigree charts. But as we progressed through the summer of 2009, the success just grew and grew. And we, I, I got received more and more articles and more and more articles. 2009 was also the year of the first international black summit that was held down in Fort Wayne. We mm-hmm. would see our, our initial headline was November 9th. Our initial cutoff uh, for the articles was November 9th. So we were doing the cut off. November ninth, the board told me, you can't do that. If we're going to Fort Wayne to the International Black Summit, you cannot cut off the articles before you've got to accept articles after uh, that after that, uh, logical summit. So, you know, when you're outnumbered, you're outnumbered. So we prepared a, a, a publication table and we advertised down there. And we were have with questions about how you, how you do that and what you're doing, and it, and it just came back. So then we decided, and we cut off the of articles as of January 10th, I think it was the 2010, and that's when we started looking for a publisher for the players. Okay, so let me just that.
1: let me just hold you back. Let me just hold up for a second because I do have some questions coming out of the chat. So, how okay. many articles? How many articles and how many contributors did you end up with?
0: I've never actually counted them, but I think we have close to 175 articles. Okay, and I think I think that you know I between oh, I don't know, 50, 50-ish type people. Because you didn't have to do wow. a Chicago article. We have, we it up on the website, we got articles from New York. We have members in New York. we got articles from uh, California. Uh, one of our members got her uncle in California who wrote the, one of the most fabulous articles about his deceased mother you know, it just touches your heart. We got, we got articles from, from Spain. We got articles from anybody who went up and saw and then would call or email and say, okay, can I submit? And the response would be, y'all, you can submit. Now, if you were not a member of the society, then you paid for the article. So the encouragement... And how much you know, did they
1: have to pay for the article?
0: They a if they were not a member. They would pay 15 cents
1: a word if they were not a member.
0: Correct. But it was only $20 to become a member. And then you got it free. <laughs> wow. Well, we're going to
1: take a break. And we're going to take a quick break. And we will be right back. OK? Mm-hmm. all of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast and can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You can also find the archive shows on my website, geniebroots.com. Now, I have opened up the phone lines for questioning, and if you would like to ask a question or make a comment, please call 646 and press one to speak to the host. Now, I have been speaking to Janice Forte, and she has shared with us just the basic organizational strategies for developing the African American heritage book. Now, she has given us some interesting. Uh, Planning strategies that her group has used just to get this book organized. And it is absolutely amazing that she could tell us that she has a book with 175 articles and 50 contributors, and they're not all from Chicago. Her members are all around the country. And so, Janice, please continue to share with us your book timeline, is what you have just said, but then give us an idea of some of your favorite articles
0: in the book. Oh, okay, I'm going to get in trouble. I am really going to get in trouble. Let me let me uh, be political and, and cover myself. I think all of the articles in the book are my favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you won't get in
1: trouble. All of them are your I, favorite.
0: All of them are my favorite. But there's some that especially touched my heart. And, and, and let me just say, this. after our book was published, I published and people brought it and all all it, There have been family fights about this book. One sister trying to sneak the book out of the other sister's house, and the other sister. (laughs) Oh boy! Back down the cocktail table. I tried to get you to write an article about whatever, whatever you and you didn't. Okay. Um, some of my favorite articles. I have to mention. One of one of our members, Sylvia Rogers, wrote a story about her aunt Precious, and our story about Aunt Precious was it's, it's real special to me because this was a story. Aunt Precious evidently had been alienated from the family I don't know 75 years ago for whatever reason, and fifteen years later Aunt Precious made the move to come back and and meet up and regain a relationship with her her family. And Sylvia being a young girl at the time went to the door when this lady came to the door and <laughs> as, as she felt it when she looked she saw in this lady her own grandmother. And the woman turned out to be her Aunt Precious, who had come to regain her relationship to regain her relationship with her, her, her elderly sister. And within a couple of months, my um, friend had had passed on. Another amazing oh, wow. story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just you you read them and you you know chill from up your spine and then you, you laugh, you cry. Another special story. Of mine is I mentioned him earlier. Is eighty-six year old Dr. William Lambert. Now this is a professional man. A doctor. Okay. Tells the story of uh,
1: wait, I'm not. I didn't understand what you just said. Would you please repeat what you just said? An 86-year-old,
0: uh, Dr. William Lambert. He is a professional man, and he tells the history of his great grandfather's, uh, a former slave, growing up in rural Mississippi. Okay. And this, and this article uh, is a picture uh, that accompanies this particular article. And it's a picture of his of his grandfather in a rough hat and rough coat, and he's standing there holding this axe. And to me, that axe is a symbol of his life: the, the, the rough work clothes, the rough hat, and the axe. That's his work tool. And it, it's just it's just his history. Another. Oh yes. And
1: is, how old how yeah. old is that
0: picture? Oh, um, it it's his grandfather and his immediate grandchildren out of slavery about 1880-ish or something like that. 1880-ish, um, right. Uh, uh, 83-year-old James Getty, right, his growing up in Birmingham, Alabama. At the 16th mm-hmm. Street Baptist he was a little boy. And that story he wrote in that article. We all know what happened at the 16th Street Baptist Church. Decades later, that's the story for little with Lona, and here James Gettings went to that church, and he's another one of those who doesn't type. He, you know, he's one of those. If he doesn't even write it down, he tells it to me or one of his buddy supporters, and we typed it up and, and gave it back to him. Then he reread it. would add more. Talk about this elevators in the stores in Birmingham, but they couldn't, you know, they could only ride the street elevators. Um, there's just so many. There's a story of a Guatemalan family heritage and ancestry in the in, in heritage book that's, that's my favorite. And there's, there's another story that's my favorite, and it's called Southern Connections. Of those of us on the heritage book committee that you know you get familiar with these as you work along the mountain and mountain out, so there's another one called um and Southern Connection. everybody in the
1: calls the Hat Ladies. It's I'm sorry, but I didn't I didn't get what you just said. What did you say it's called?
0: It's called the Hat Ladies. The, the Hat Ladies. Of, yeah, the official title of the story is the Southern Connection. But okay. It is a picture included in the picture of these three black women. So all everybody in the group we all call it the hat ladies. And it's these three black women in about the 1930s or 40s, and they're standing there, and it appears that they've just come from church because they're finally dressed, and they had these, these wonderful hats on their head because, you know, that's the way black women went off to church, scene, and they had their posters, and they have their white gloves. And the article um. is about it's about them moving you know, up from South Carolina up, up into Chicago. But so we just called it The Hat And in the time somebody said something about the hat ladies, we knew in the committee, we knew what we were talking about. Uh, Sheila Smith wrote an article on uh, the familiar behavior traits that had passed down in her family, her great-grandfather, uh, in, I think it was uh, Jonathan, how Well And he had behavioral traits that just seemed to be from her observation. So, in that story, she poses the question of who did you take after? You got the family history? Have you looked at some personality traits, some behavioral traits? Then you know, I have another story that just seems always next to my sock office. This, this lady. Her mother was 99 years old at the time. Her mom was 99 years old, and she always knew that her mother would never talk about the olden days. When she came from a meeting and started telling her mother uh, about the heritage project, she started, her mother told her, write this down, write this down, and she started telling her daughter stories about what went on in this about many, many years ago. And I believe that Mary Hill, and I believe she wrote about five articles in that book. Because every time she would come back home, her mom now, who before never would talk about those days, now suddenly began to talk. Oh, that is wonderful.
1: That is absolutely wonderful.
0: I've got a member who came, even though the instructions say 500-word articles. This man came with an article that was 15000 words. articles.
1: Janice, Janice, your voice is totally fading out. Um, oh. But I, what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that you, you had several different articles, and that's... One particular uh, member uh, put together several articles after visiting her home, And, and after she visited her home, she would come back and she would write what she was told, and this is something that continued. And so some of the articles in your book are based on some of the oral histories that your members were able to gather in addition to some of the research that they, uh, they conducted. So this is, this is really good. Well, tell us about some of the – what's the, the financial uh, success of the book? Just get, tell us about that and the cost and how the book uh, was distributed to uh, libraries uh, throughout the United States.
0: Okay, well, um, our book started out, it cost $50 for the first book. If you were a member, the book was $50. The second book dropped down to $45. And as an incentive, if you bought 10 books, we gave you a book free. Um, We didn't start our project as a fundraiser, but as it turned out, it turned out to be more than a a very successful uh, fundraiser because I encourage people to of um, uh, books for their church library for their uh, mm-hmm. libraries that their uh, sorority or fraternity may have and then each study group uh, from each state was encouraged for them to collect their own separate money and 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 purchase a book um, to send down to that county or state archives and library and that turned out to be very successful our board sent uh, uh, purchased donated books to all of the major genealogical libraries and archives. National Archives um, got a book. Uh, the book is also at the Library of Congress. Uh, um, the Family History Center uh, not only received the book, but they have digitized the book. Uh, I went I went online in preparation. I went online to World Catalog and put the book yes. in World Catalog and, and found, I think, nine locations in World Catalog have listed uh, the Alabama Archives had the book, Tennessee State Archives has the book, uh, Mississippi, I believe, has the book. So the incentive was for uh, state groups to, you know, uh, purchase a book, send it to your state archives, your so that when people down there, they too could go and pull that book down, it's off the shelf. And at Fort Wayne, uh, Angela, <laughs> Angela uh, Raji had the I took the book when we were there uh, I believe it was the last August or something so the book is all all over the country in terms of finances like I said I initially asked for two hundred dollars but because our people purchased books as we went along we didn't wait to the very end we took book orders as we went along so mm-hmm. I don't believe that we all that two hundred dollars and it, as I say it turned out to be more than a a financial success. It's 286 pages. It's a hardcover book. It's black with gold leaf uh, print. It is fully indexed. It is every name indexed. That was one of our mandates, that that book be indexed, and it is every name indexed. I also should mention we have two auxiliary-type articles. Uh, One of our members, Excellent piece on genealogical tips, research tips. Anthony Cole put together an uh, a, 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 uh, a article that everything any new beginning researcher would want to know, even today, that these are the things that we should be aware of, conscious of as we approach uh, starting a research project. So we added that to the book. And then we have a member, Jenny uh, Jones, and he um, listed all of the research facilities that he could think of, their, their name, their location, their email address, so we added that as an extra sheet to the book. Um, and it was oh, that's just great. Been, it has just been very, very successful. We received, uh, when we were close to Committee for Publication, we sent off letters to elected officials. So we had acknowledgement from... President Obama in the book all the way down to local congressmen, senators and, and, and congressmen, that's in the book also.
1: So it was mm-hmm. it has
0: been a financial success, a tremendous financial success, for um, our society, even though it wasn't intended to be a, a fundraiser. It it worked out um, to be wonderfully well. And they, from two thousand nine, as we approached our thirtieth anniversary, the book was delivered and presented to our, um, our um, general meeting in 2011, and um, they were just overwhelmed by it.
1: Right. It now, a, who was, was the a, publisher for your book? What pu- publisher did you use? We
0: went through a process where we, we, we sent out an RFP, request for proposal, and we sent that out because we had, you know, worked out for a, a general general. You know, type outline of what we thought we wanted. So we did the RST, and then um, Angela and Angie and I, we would go to conferences across the country, and we would approach uh, publishers and query them, and pick their brains, and give them information on what we were doing, and they were excited about that. So following that, we did a paper screening of about uh, twelve publishers. We uh, interview, paper interviews, University of Chicago Press in Chicago and, and other uh, publishing companies. So we did a paper screen and we filled it down to three, and we invited three publishers in for on insight in-person visits with our committee, and of the three, uh, two showed up. And my committee, <laughs> my next eight I just sat back. They questioned, and query. Can it become experts in paper and paper quality and the size of the paper and then and whether or not the paper should have a glare and what size the font should be and what size the print should be because you know you know genealogists are old and so we don't want no pretty tiny thought and they were just wonderful with that. This is just So from from those two. We settled on Heritage Publishing Consultants, and they were absolutely... Heritage uh, Publishing needs.
1: Consultants.
0: Okay. Her, heritage Publishing Consultants, and they were absolutely... They were, and Alice Weiss were absolutely consultants. We never had to go to them. They came up from Kentucky. They came. They met with the committee. They got to, go to the members of the committee as, as well as, as I know, and they were just there and right right on time. Whatever we do, on the phone. Okay, and where internet. where are
1: they where is this publishing company located? They're located in uh, in Kentucky. In Kentucky. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh what advice do you have for other groups thinking about publishing a heritage book? Well,
0: I've consulted with some other groups as they, you know, they started this process. And the advice that I have for them is bite off the chunks in little pieces. Don't think,
1: okay, bite serious it serious. off in little pieces. That's one, okay?
0: Bite off because silly Bite it off in little pieces. We started small. Remember, we started with little cities, individual one paragraph chapters and built on that and built on that and built on that. One pair gets kinship chapters. and were a the group together. We didn't, We did We weren't proficient. We didn't know about publishing to that extent, but we knew we wanted a quality book, and we just okay. building and building and building on that. So you bite it off in little bitty chunks. You don't give about, and you just remember this is something that you too need to do something, now that the A-A-G-H-S-E heritage book is up there on the shelf, it should be up there by itself in terms of African-American heritage books. Yes. He should have up there instead for other people to reach up and say, okay, here's the, you know, what one what of the, the things that's in our book? is it, something we call standalone photos we allowed them as one of those those wonderful old photos they've had in the house forever. One of my favorite old photos is something about eighteen ninety and it's a picture of First Baptist Church of North Arkansas. Now, where in life did you see that picture it's It's in somebody's house but right now yes it's in the city. yes. And that's no the one copy. good thing about
1: a heritage book because many people will have the photo, their own personal photos that nobody else will have, and that nobody photo is now in this book. Well, now what are your your future plans? Are you going to reprint this book?
0: Uh, well, we are it all the press. I didn't hear your edition. answer
1: Would you, would you please I, restate what you just
0: said I said the minute it was off the press They were begging us The publisher was begging us To do a second edition And so far okay. I have Settled on that mm-hmm. Members have asked So we're just going to For now we're just going to leave that Kind of like hanging up there In, in the cloud someplace it, 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 It's a wonderful adventure okay now i
1: I have a bag i have i have a person who's begging in the chat room, please do a mm-hmm. second edition please they want <laughs> the, the book is so good they want this book reprinted so well, you know I, you're I, leaving I, it okay. up there but people want to see the book okay now tell okay. us uh, i i i know the book you know but you leave the lot we have four minutes to to go. Tell us okay. how we can access this book on familysearch.org.
0: Okay. They, they can go to familysearch.org and then um, go to the, in the catalog, go to books and put in Afro-American Genealogical and Historical Society of Chicago and click, and the book will come up. I, I, the, the, the book will come up and you, it's the first one that comes up. If you click on it, you can look at every single page. You can go to the index. You can flip back and forth. Or if you come to the Midwest African American Geological and Midwest African American Institute in St. Louis in July, I'm presenting the preparation for the book in, in, the, in, the, in the Angeles track, and I'll have my copy of the book there with me. Yeah, be okay, so you so we so so remember, folks,
1: if you attend Maggie in St. Louis, July eight to tenth, you will be able to touch the book to read the book because she's bringing the book. But in the meantime, you can also go to familysearch.org, go to books, put in the Afro American. Historical and Genealogical Society of Chicago, and the book will come up. So this is an opportunity that everyone has who's listening to this show tonight to go to FamilySearch.org to look at the book. Well, Janice, I want to thank you so much. Do you know we're at the end of the show? But you have given us, yes, it's over (laughs) But you have definitely given us an idea of what is possible. And I hope that all of the historical societies and all of the groups that have been listening to the show tonight will tackle a project like this. Take it on. Start small, as Janice has recommended, with just short articles, your kinship articles, and then grow that and Grow it to the point where you have a heritage book, a African-American heritage book, where everyone can, 100 years from now, pull off and see that book. So thank you so much, Janice, for joining tonight to share with us your heritage book. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want everybody to join me next week because next week I'm going to have Angela walton Raji, And Angela is going to share with us African and Native American research. So good night, everyone, and thank you, Janice Minor, for today. Mm-hmm. And remember, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through all history, family records, research at the National Archives and beyond. Thank you so much for joining the show tonight, and remember to listen to the African Roots Podcast with Angela Walton Rogers tomorrow and Nurturing Our Roots with Antoinette Harrell on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Thank you so much for joining the show. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Bernice.